Don't You Want Me, a podcast series taking a light-hearted look at the most relatable, intriguing and dysfunctional relationships in film. I'm Kat. And I'm Rich. Men go out with me, we break up, and then they get married. And later they call me to thank me for teaching them what love is, oh, and God. that I taught them to care and respect yeah, women. I think I'm one of those guys. You know, I want to kill them! Why didn't they ask me to marry them? I would have said no, but at least they could have asked! In this episode, we're wandering into a Parisian bookshop of 2004's Before Sunset, starring Julie Delpy and Ethan Hawke, directed by Richard Linklater. With a script developed by the director with the film's two stars and previous collaborator Kim Creasan, this film stands as the sequel to Before Sunrise and forms the second instalment of the Before trilogy. Tonight, we'll be sitting down to a coffee with Celine and Jesse, keeping an eye on those flight times all the while. To quote Jesse, as you move through life, you realise that most of the people you meet are trying to get somewhere better. They're trying to make a little bit more cash, trying to get a little bit more respect and have more people admire them. So if you enjoy this episode, please consider leaving us a rating or review on your podcast app of choice. So we finished the Before Sunrise episode, Rich, talking about what some of your predictions might be for the next film in the trilogy. How did this one surprise you or did it? Um, I guess it surprised me in how they met again. I, I think I kind again, I kind of probably anyone who's listened to the last episode and gone straight into this one will go, what, you liar? <laughs> it's, it's when you realise that they didn't meet in Vienna uh, six months afterwards. And then this is now nine years afterwards. He's now a, in his words, was a tiny bestseller best-selling author and he's written written a book about essentially a slightly fictionalized version of their their meeting and then she because she lives in Paris has come to this this talk he's given at whatever Le Waterstones and (laughs) the, the connection and the chemistry is still there and they do talk pretty quickly about whether they whether they individually made it there or not, because she she was planning to go, but her grandmother died very yeah. shortly before. He initially said he wasn't going to go, or he didn't go. And then shortly afterwards said, yes, he did. And then ended up bimbling around Vienna uh, on his dad's $2,000. Yeah. So um, I wasn't sure, like there, there was that kernel of doubt then, was he just doing that to guilt trip her? Oh, you think he didn't actually turn up? Well, no, it's just because he said initially he didn't, and I think as a whether it's as a to make her feel better or not, and then he said he did. So I, 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 I will take his word that he did. I mean, there's a lot, lot of detail. Around, yes, but um, I, I had a feeling they wouldn't have met again, but um, I, I wouldn't have predicted this reconnection. Obviously, you've seen this before um before and i mean watching it now again with this person who hadn't seen it before and and watching it again recently was it uh did it remind you or did you look for things that you hadn't seen previously because we'd watched that um first one together or at least we'd we talked about that first one together so recently i became more aware of how celine says in Before Sunrise, when they're negotiating whether or not to sleep together, she says that um, she doesn't want to become a story. She doesn't want that to be what she becomes, you know, in his head, just this um, French girl that he fucks, as she puts it, and um, never sees again and becomes this great story that he can tell people. And when I was watching it this time, I I thought that's so it's, it is so interesting how um, that's exactly what she's become in some ways. You know, he's been able to, because he didn't see her again for nine years, he's been able to create this fantastic book out of it and become this rather glamorous author that gets to tour around the world on the back of um, this book that he's written off off the back of his muse, which is Celine. So, um that's so uh, 
gives you so much to think about because on the one hand, there's a romantic aspect to that in the sense that it helps her, it helps him to find her again. And um, obviously a flattering aspect from Celine's point of view in the sense that, you know, you inspire a great story. But on the other hand, you can also sort of see how much kind of pain it's caused her actually to have to pick up that book and and read about um, this version of herself that someone has kind of frozen in time and um, and being able to just kind of romanticise her in their head without really having to kind of, you know, hold her hand through life and, and support her in that interim period. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a, I mean, part of why I really part of the reason why I really love these films is that they've got, you know, they're they're romantic, but they've also actually got quite a lot of darkness in them too. Yeah, I, I think, again, when, when you get to the concept of, of how this second film has happened and, and he's written a story, and it's, it's weird because I think they comment on it at one point, you know, is it fiction, uh, non-fiction, because it kind of happened? And it, it, was, it reminded me of those kind of books that were kind of I, I can't remember if they had a particular name but they were aimed almost like a kind of like a man a male version of what's that derogatory term is it chick lit or something yeah um and and it was kind of aimed at men as a kind of you know fr- from the the man's point of view and it was you know like really low-hanging fruit kind of budget attempting to be nick hornby kind of stuff yeah and and you kind of feel like this was probably it and it was him tapping on his real life experience thinking like all right I'm trying to think of a story no let's just do this let's do what actually happened and then because it was only not even 24 hours that they spent together and Mm. he's had that vision of her in his head for that period of time um, and he's been able to manipulate it not in a in a cruel way or anything but he's been able to put her in a position where she is a big part of the story and and it's almost like he's created a separate version of her yes exactly um, yeah says he who clearly i haven't read the book in question but i have seen the first film and um i i, I guess it must be weird for her as well because it's not like i don't know how copyright law works i mean would he should he have asked for permission to use her story <laughs> Mm, that's interesting, isn't it? I mean, I suppose real real life events in an, in a writer's life uh, quite often influence their their stories, don't they? Mm. No, that's a that's a very good point. I have no idea. You know, when when they first met, they were young and sort of exploring the world, and and now nine years later, and he says nine years later, they're still a lot younger than I am now. But um, you know, they're they're still where they are in life. You know, he's reasonably successful in his career and she seems to be doing quite well as well but there's a lot of stuff you know under the surface things aren't as glorious as they perhaps might be no it's i I mean that that's there was a point where we were talking about the first film where we uh discussed how the progression of that one you know, it sort of starts with them kind of being a little bit kind of shy and awkward around each other. And then they have these kind of conversations where they're talking about their past and they're kind of putting quite a positive spin on it and um, showing kind of various highlights from their from the things that they recall and stuff. And as the movie goes on, you kind of get more to the bottom of what might actually be bothering the two of them and this one actually takes quite a similar shape doesn't it because if you think about how the mood is in the back of the car versus how the mood is in the coffee shop it's really quite violently different isn't it in terms of what they're both um, confessing about the mood of their lives they're probably in a similar position I mean she's more expressive both in the way that she speaks, but also like body language and, and that non-verbal sort of with her hands. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, there's one point that she goes to kind of stroke him or touch him and then pulls away a little bit. But she's when she's talking, she's also remonstrating with her hands a lot more. Uh, maybe it's yes. a European thing. I don't know. But they're still, from the heart, they're still talking about 
you know, by the by the time I mean, I, I feel sorry for the poor driver who's having <laughs> to listen to this. I mean, I assume you know he guess has some some English, and of course they're they're speaking English the whole time, but. Um, you know, they're not arguing as such, although they do have a moment where she sort of demands he pulls over the car yeah. so she can get out. So it's, um, yeah. it's quite feisty in the space of, what, an hour? Yeah, well, obviously she's she's talking about kind of how how the the book and, um, and the decisions that they made back then have affected her, haven't they? Because, I mean, he, at the beginning of the, of the meet-up in this film... He doesn't take responsibility for not having taken her contact details. He sort of, um, you know, says, oh, both of us didn't want to. We both agreed that we didn't want to. But I think when, when you and I were, were talking about it the other day, I think we kind of picked up on the fact that that it's him, actually, I think, ultimately, that makes that decision. Because right mm. before she gets on the train, the first one, she says, we're not going to take each other's contact details. And he says, no, it's depressing. And so the thing is slightly that he's that he you could argue that he kind of ultimately made that call and then um and because of not having taken her contact details he couldn't know that her grandmother had died which mm. is obviously something that would genuinely prevent you from going somewhere to meet someone you must have been so angry with me i'm so sorry i really wanted to be there more than anything in I, the world honestly, i swear honestly i mean you I, can't I swear. be angry now. my grandmother i mean no i know i know i honestly thought that something like that might have happened I, I was definitely bummed but Mostly I was just mad we hadn't exchanged any phone numbers or I any know, information. I know, that was so stupid. No way to get in touch. I, know, I didn't we even know your last name. I know, I know. I mean, uh. but remember, we were both afraid that if we started writing and calling that it would slowly, you know, fade out. Yeah, it definitely wasn't a slow fade. No, it sure wasn't. I know, we wanted to pick it up where we left <laughs> Which off. Which would have been fun yes, if it had worked. a good idea. Has his image of her become that, um, is it manic pixie dream girl thing that we talked about in... Um, uh, eternal sunshine and spotless mind yeah like maybe the time has kind of given him that's what he thought of her because he still remembers her as this sort of girl in her early 20s quite young and, and carefree and traveling around and of course most of us are young and youngish and carefree ish at that age yeah um, and it's it's nice to kind of form that fiction and you know, again what point does the character and the human become the same um, or they've separated sufficiently, I don't know. But, um, you know, is he in love? So love, that's a big word. Um, <laughs> is his memory of her the character, or is it actually her? Um, it's hard to know. Has, has he got that good a memory after nine years? Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I, it was funny that you should bring up Eternal Sunshine, because this time when I was watching it, because uh, we'd watched that film um, for this podcast quite recently, I was thinking about that one. I think it might have come out in the same year mm, as well yeah. as Eternal Sunshine, this one. And uh, you're right. I think it does a kind of similar thing where it takes this idea of what a female character quite often is in a romantic movie and and sort of deconstructs it in the sense that both Clementine and Celine have a moment in both the, the films where they, they kind of, they sort of like that. It feels if they're verbally trying to kind of break out of that kind of you know the confines of having to be this this delightfully quirky character that's sort of there to be beautiful and and wild and and there to liven up your your male protagonist's life. And they both kind of are saying, "No, I, I'm not that person. I'm I'm allowed to be just as unlikable and as just as you know complicated as." as the guy in this scenario and um, I'm, I'm not here to solve your problems, you know. I think, yeah, I think there are really similar moments in both movies in that way. Yeah. Um, one thing I did notice about the chemistry here and, um, and again, maybe it is a thing about age and maybe they're a bit more mature and, and already comfortable. They, they were, there was a lot of touching of arms in that semi-flirting way. Yes, yeah, um, absolutely. It's It's something that you don't always pick up that often uh, if it happens or not and maybe people should be better at reading such signs but it's um when when you see it and i guess kind of once i noticed it the first time you then start looking for it and it's like bloody hell they're, they're doing it a lot mm. um and and i guess that has an element of intimacy around it um yeah. you know, obviously they have how can i put it politely made love in a park previously so they've had you know they've had that connection enough not that, that not that that's the only thing but they've had this and they've already 
started where they left off mm. and there is that comfort around each other where they can do that and it's a uh, little things like that and again this is part of the, the skill of the film and the writing and and the way it's made yeah. is that when we talked about the first time around is that they worked so hard to make it look improvised but made it quite clear it wasn't um, yes and then it's very much the, the case here as well is that that it looks innocent and natural but it's not and that's to its to its benefit yeah i think they do a really good uh job don't they of making them look physically comfortable with each other really quickly even when their uh their dialogue together is still being kind of a little bit guarded and stilted at the beginning it's so funny that you picked up on that because i i did to this time watching it the two of them quite quickly and I know that you say yeah they they slept together nine years ago but I think actually if you if you'd had a, a one night thing with someone nine years ago and hadn't seen them since I don't think that would mean that you were immediately just physically really comfortable with them when no. you met up with them again um if anything depending on what your encounter was <laughs> like you might be more guarded um but yeah I think I thought that that was really strange actually there it's like their bodies more comfortable with each other than their words are actually for quite a lot of the film I think mm. which shows I think re signals to you really effectively that these two people are, are, are drawn like drawn together no matter what the kind of weirdness of the circumstance and how complicated it might be for them to be together there's something about their physical chemistry where yeah they just want to they want to kind of be as one which is Interesting. I mean, I think when we when we talked about it happened one night, we talked about their kind of physical closeness in that way and how they were able to pull things off, like having one of them spank the other one and stuff. And in some movies that could just seem completely inappropriate. But if you get the physical chemistry right, you can actually sort of go, oh, it's quite sweet. <laughs> and it's quite <laughs> Actually, I mean, I was going to say to you, we did sliding doors. And I was thinking in that one, you've got a cheating author at the center of it and um you know i think quite quite rightly you judge him don't you he's not um he's not uh, you, you kind of think oh yeah he's not he's, he's a cad she should get rid of him but um <laughs> i was thinking in this in this one you have a you have a cheating author and because it's jesse and celine you know they managed to get you thinking it's it's lovely don't they <laughs> I guess, like, Jesse's hair in the first film was pretty impressive. I mean, it wasn't as good as Jerry's, but um, <laughs> maybe if they'd done sliding doors from the angle of Jerry and, uh, what's the other name, Lydia? The other lady's name? Yeah. Um, God, how do I remember that? Um, and, yeah, and again, it's all that kind of from a certain point of view element of it, where because this is the story we're being told and they're like... Uh, are we meant to believe they're kind of like star-crossed lovers yes. and they're meant to be together therefore we must root for them whereas in Sliding Doors um, they are very much the villains of the piece albeit not as annoying as the other one and um, and I guess here it's because because of the way it's it's portrayed you know, that there was the whole the interesting side of it when you know when talked about in the park you know well the will they won't they did they didn't they um mm. and even here you know there was the discussion about um did they have sex or not and then yeah i think when when she initially claims she they didn't and he did and it went down a little bit to like how do you remember that but um he even remembers his brand of whatever and um, was it she said at one point like, I, like, oh. I like the way after some of the things you've said in previous episodes you're now too coy to say condom <laughs> well, anyway, anyway. Um, still the eight year old schoolboy at heart <laughs> rubber Johnny and, and she said something like uh, was it, oh women pretend things like that yes just to, to give that air of mystery there is that kind of are you remembering things or misremembering? And in, in this case, it's kind of different because his memory of the event has been constantly refreshed and then explored and twisted and 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 moved for for his book. Yeah. Whereas hers is all seemingly in her head and then through how her other relationships have gone. 
Um, yeah. Now, his relationship with his wife doesn't sound like it's got anything to do with his time with Celine. It's just circumstance, and that's they, they've. He's in this relationship that sounds awful, and yet she's gone through a series of relationships and has and made reference to almost almost comparing them to him. In well, some can way. I interrupt you? Yeah. Do you think that the experience of turning up at Vienna and Celine not being there, do you think that that, though, might have had an effect on Jesse where he kind of thinks, OK, you've got to stop all your romantic, uh, flimsy, idealistic notions and knuckle down now. Just find someone, you know, that you like, who you get on with well, you make a good team with, get married to and commit to it. And, you know, there was something about that experience of having his sort of hopes dashed by her not being there that made him think, OK, you've got to you've got to be sensible now rather than, you know, trying to <laughs> indulge yourself in this way. Uh, yeah, probably. There's a possibly an element of that, you know, maybe he's the right relationship for him at the time. Yeah. Whenever they, they met and and that, that that was kind of the best thing for him then and his experience of Vienna has and and at what point you know did did he spend his entire life focusing on this one night thing again for the, for the purpose of his book i mean he said it took him several years to write it yeah and I his think kid he said four, didn't yeah he? and yeah. his kid was four so yes oh yeah you're right again you know was it the did he start writing it after son was born or you know at that point and the relationship dynamic would have changed hugely, and then maybe he started reminiscing about Celine. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, and they have the this time around. I also noticed as well the way it begins with him telling that story about his book that he's been thinking about when he's talking to the assemble company at the bookshop, and it has the guy, you know, kind of being a bit dissatisfied with his life, and then um, seeing his daughter dancing on the on the table to this pop song and kind of, you know, that being a sort of source of joy. And then the fact that the whole movie ends with Celine dancing to a pop Mm. song. Yeah. I guess sort of, you know, this idea of kind of what, what in your, in your sort of dissatisfied existence brings you those sort of moments of, of joy or something. Jesse's poor wife, when she has to find out that he's, um, spent some time with this, uh, with this other woman, you know, and um, go like, what do you mean? You've only, you've only known her for, for forty-eight hours in total. Like, what do you mean she's who your book's about? What do you mean she lives in Paris? What do you mean she watches chestnuts? You know, and then um, you can imagine her googling Celine, can't you? And then finding all of these YouTube videos of Celine playing her acoustic guitar with these whimsical songs, and just kind of getting really, really annoyed. <laughs> And then finding that she's doing stuff for the was it the Green Cross. Oh, yeah. she's environmentalist. Oh, okay, yeah, here we go. Yeah. Chalk, and and one imagines that this is very much a chalk and cheese kind of thing. Yes, completely, completely. No, it's it's funny. This time I did kind of think, oh, yeah, that'd be you know, you can imagine you being his what is sort of doing a bit of a kind of watching, yeah, watching one of those. YouTube video, and as you say, uh, maybe Celine would have her own, her own kind of beautifully designed website that details her, her environmental um, concerns a lot, along with this um, creativity. And it would be kind of be a worst nightmare, wouldn't it? Because yeah. you'd also be like, and she's incredibly beautiful. Oh God! And she's French, and she's <laughs> she's French, <laughs> and she sings this song with his name in it. For fuck's sake! <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know, yes. I know. So, um, so in the, so that, but that's. I think though that is why it's such an achievement to get you so fully invested in, um, in their love story. Given that they have only, because I think when we were doing Notting Hill, for instance, I can remember being very, very scathing about the fact that they'd only been on three dates. And look at how hung up on her he is. I mean, for God's sake, pull yourself together, man. Miss Julia Roberts. Exactly. Whereas when it sees movies, I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, well, of course. Of course they have to drop everything. But then when you pull back from it, you think it is ridiculous in some ways that you're rooting for them so much, considering that... um, 
yeah, he's got so many real responsibilities at home and um, yeah, in, in some ways it's the most ludicrous notion, the idea of the two of them kind of um, totally letting go of their lives in order to be together because they haven't got that much of a foundation for it really but yet you're still you're still sort of wanting them to aren't you i mean are you suggesting because the ending of the film is somewhat ambiguous are you suggesting that they then formed a relationship of some kind or do i have I'm not to watch suggesting the third that film? at all i'm not suggesting that at all or did she i'm trying to think of the third film did she write a book and then he went to her book tour and that's how they reconnected after another nine years. Probably not. Probably not. That's Do right. you think he stays a night? Yeah. From what? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking idiot if he didn't. Um, after that. <laughs> well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think that that's... Uh, sh- uh, he even... They have all of this progression through the film of it kind of starting with him being a bit like, yeah, I've got to about 10 minutes to talk kind of thing. It feels very rushed. And mm. then he sort of stays with her longer and longer and longer until the point where they're dropping her off at her place. And then he still is with her and wants to come up the stairs and, want, you know, does all of this. And you're, you're right that she has written this song about him and stuff, but it's only at that point when he's actually come up to her flat and sit on the sofa yeah. and asked to hear a song that she sings the song and you could really I mean it's a direct it is sort of a direct seduction isn't it that song yeah because it does actually so I think I think I wrote it down she did yeah I just want another night even if it doesn't seem quite right so it's, mm. it's her actually directly going let's you know yeah let's get it on Th- this is her colour me bad <laughs> I want to sex you up <laughs> I mean, to be to be honest, la 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 la. I mean, one of the things he said beforehand, which just made him sound like a a proper repressed, battered husband, almost, was that he said, like, mm. "I feel like if someone were to touch me, I'd dissolve into molecules." Yes. And it's just like, oh, I just want someone to touch me. Yes, he says something like, "I've only, I've had sex less than ten times in the past four years," and he um, says, "I've done marriage counselling, I've lit candles, I've bought lingerie." You know, it's like he's quite he is very detailed at one point, isn't he? In, in that way about kind of the actual kind of getting down to the to the thing of of what it feels like to be to be in a in a long term relationship that's broken down to that degree. And he, you know, I mean, again. He's he's an in, interesting one, Jesse, because like as in as in the first one, there are sort of these moments where you think, oh, he in some ways he kind of sounds he's sort of acting just like someone who's trying to get his leg over for the night, but then there are these moments that feel so incredibly honest, you know, like where he, where he says, "I want a great life, and I want her to have a great life." You know, it's like we're we're living with these ideas of how people are supposed to live rather than how we both actually want to live. And, you know, you think that's gonna chime with a lot of people that sometimes sort of, you know, make decisions, as you say, for all for all the right reasons, and then maybe later on down the line sort of find themselves in both in positions where they don't necessarily feel completely happy, but they don't you know, it's it's really it's just really complicated, isn't it? It's like adult stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this this would have been a weird one to explore in the first film, wouldn't it? Them being young and chatting each other up on a train. It does get very profound around that kind of stuff. You know, and the, and the way that she talks about, you know, her relationships around... I mean, she, she talked in the first film about one ending that she had a, a, a therapy session about. Yeah. Um, and yet this time it was just kind of a litany of... They weren't awful, but the ones, you know, she said, she was saying about was it a French men aren't that horny. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. I've never dated a French man. I don't know. But I don't know if that's the case. But um, I mean, I think that, that in, Je- in Jesse's, uh, I think I think in, in this one, she does keep bringing up sex, I think. Celine, as if she's trying to kind of test the waters, which is why it. I think it's really effective as a kind of narrative twist. How I, I, I did put a time on it this time. I think it's a full forty-five minutes into the film, where she says, "So I heard you got married and had a kid," and that's. So it's, I think it's more than halfway through the movie when that gets dropped. 
you know, mm. and I think it does actually sort of shock you as a viewer because, as you say, they've been sort of physically close. Uh, there's actually been quite a few mentions by that point of sex. I think that's after he pulls her onto his lap. Mm. And you're watching it kind of thinking, okay, okay, well, we're, we're going to get to a point where they, you know, get like go back to her flat or whatever and it's all going to be sort of sweetness and light and then she says oh so i hear you're married with a kid and and you think oh okay oh this is this is interesting that this is you know this is much um they're they're dealing with something far more complicated than you originally thought they were going to be so actually it's it's amazing in that way in the sense that even though it's just a a, a movie that follows a conversation there's actually quite a yeah it's quite a roller coaster ride really in terms of where it takes you what yeah. to find out yeah, because I think as well, um, I noticed it, and I was almost waiting for it to come up at the. Oh, end. did you think it was? Did you know that was going to happen? Well, no. I mean, I, I I noticed. I mean, he had a wedding ring on. Um, oh right. Oh okay. Yeah. And then at the end of the film, when they went back to her flat, and there was a clipping on her notice board or on the, on the shelf of what was either a book review of his book or an interview of him. And I was kind of like, okay, well, this is, she's clearly a stalker. And, <laughs> you know, this is, I, I was kind the of. Ex- about her. <laughs> I was expecting her to go, him to see this clipping. It'd be like that scene in Alan Partridge where it's the, the super fan. And it's like, oh God, there's clippings of me everywhere. Uh, um, and then that's the end of the film. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, like you could see at the beginning, like he's got a wedding ring on and, she, he doesn't mention it till later and she says oh you don't talk about marriage and he says what don't haven't I or you know like that's weird I, I've you know and um that's probably after she says something about what perverts we've become in the last nine years or something yes and it's mostly her not in a bad way but you know she, like you said she's she's the one who's talked about sex probably more Oh yeah, yeah, she she does. But to be fair, she's not the one who's married. Well, of course, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with talking about it. I no. was just, um, it's uh, <laughs> she, she said the not word pervert. judging from these episodes. Um, no, I, I just mean that in terms of uh, again, like the, the, I think we talked about it a bit when we were talking about the first one. I think that uh, they make it consistently quite clear how sort of consensual their relationship is and that quite often sort of Celine will will be the one that might kind of provoke physical contact or the or the subject of sex that kind of you know that that Celine in some ways has kind of more agency than Jesse does and Jesse's sort of entranced by Celine and is willing to be led by her where she wants to lead him to yeah so um it's weird when when I came to watching this and I kind of clocked that it was quite a short film. At mm. no point immediately did I realise it would be a real time job. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, having been one of the the big super fans of the show Twenty Four, which is made in real time. The following takes place between midnight and one a.m. on the day of the California presidential primary. Events occur in real time. Um, yeah. You know that that concept appeals to me greatly. There was no Kiefer Sutherland shooting anything here, but it was. Um, but even so, it was the, the idea of that to kind of give you really that condensed time frame. Once you yeah. realise it's in real time, and it's not. You know, this isn't like at the start of twenty four. It's a events occur in real time. Um, or like the one where no one's ready. Yeah. And, and and you have that where, you know, I could be really geeky and make other comparisons, but it's um, but once you clock that's the case, it then yeah. feels so much more real is the wrong term, but you kind of then realise, like, this is all unfolding now as we speak. You know, we've not missed anything. We've not missed... Yes. We've not missed, you know, him going off to call his wife or her going off to do something or, you know, anything like that. They've been together for that length of time, the entire length of time of the film. Yeah. And then the film ends when it does. And it's literally, was it 78 minutes or something like that from mm-hmm. start to finish? And 
all this has happened. Yeah. And I'm not going to make, I don't make predictions about what will happen in the third film. But the fact is that he's gone from having not seen this woman for nine years in 78 minutes to being in her flat, having this woman singing at him, which that, that makes it sound horribly unsexy. But, you know, just, they're in there listening to Nina Simone on CD and, and yeah. sitting there and, and he's got this plane to catch and it's quite apparent he's not going to get that plane. Yeah, it's that that was an element of it that I thought was really once you clock it's there. Yeah. It's a really well done piece. Um yes. you know and, and and again we know what's happening and when she says was it baby you're going to miss that plane I know. Yeah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it's I, one of the all-time great movie like, endings I think. Is it again? I know. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Worth it. <laughs> No, it's absolutely fantastic. Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Baby, you are going to miss that plane. I know. Hmm. I mean, what do you think of what do you think of Jesse's conduct? over the space of this so if it's yeah over the space of this hour, hour or so that they spend together I mean considering all of his his responsibilities and, and his situation and things what do we think I think he he's kind of assuming what he said is correct and it's not that mm-hmm. I'm a cynic but assuming that that, that that his situation is as he's described it and that they've tried counselling and whatever else it's difficult isn't it because like you said you know that we're we're watching a film where we're essentially rooting for them yeah to get together um and then even when i was doing some reading some of the reviews and bits of the film after i'd seen it um Mm. and they were suggesting that there was an element of of this that was autobiographical because something similar happened when he was married to uma Thurman. yeah um so again it's like well are these two people meant to be together and and has there been enough honesty in his marriage that kind yeah. of that that leaves this doesn't leave you with too much of a bad taste does it mean the right man the love of your life the concept is absurd the idea that we can only be complete with another person is evil right you know, I guess I've been heartbroken too many times and then I recovered. So now, you know, from the starts, I make no effort because I know it's not uh, going to well, work out. I know that. it's you, not going to work out. You can't do that. You can't live your life trying to avoid pain at the okay. expense of You know what? Those are words. I've got, to, I've got to get away from you. Stop the car. I want to no, get out. No, no, no. Don't, 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 you know what? don't, don't get it's out. It's being Keep around talking. you, okay? Hey, no, hey. don't touch me. You know, I want to get on a cab. One thing that we haven't really talked about is the fact that they... They make each other laugh really easily through this one as they do in in the first one. And considering what, you know, darkness they touch on and also sort of, you know, the the, the flirtatiousness, you know, they, they also manage to get in quite a lot of sort of impish things like her saying, did you say that, you know, did you tell me that dream about me being pregnant just to get in my pants? And he, without missing a beat, says, yeah, I just told you that to get in your pants, you know. And it's all, I really, really like that about the whole thing. And... Um, the way, yeah, the kind of seamless way in which she manages to to bring all of that together, and then you finish the whole thing with her doing her her Nina Simone impression, and um, and I think part of the reason why you sort of are thinking, yeah, he should miss his plane is because of um, partly of how how good a performance hers is. You know, I mean, you you understand why he's kind of drawn in by her. I guess that's that is part of it where. And again, you know, this, this it's it's a film, and you know. But if the the way that she, and I know you, you said seducing earlier, sort of, <laughs> you know, but the way that 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 that's done, it is difficult for him to sit there on his hands and just go, "Yep, I'm enjoying this. I'm looking forward to my tea. I've got a plane to catch. I'm just going to go now. Bye." 
<laughs> why, why is it difficult for him? <laughs> well, I mean... <laughs> because... <I'm... laughs> As a human, you know, it's... it's As a human. Yeah. Um, in You could probably imagine being in that position and just go, oh, okay, yeah, just... Yeah, don't worry about the plane. You'll get another easy jet soon. Um, <laughs> I, I think that there is just... At that point, the, the way the film is, and, and because everything has been so condensed into that hour and a quarter, that you can kind of genuinely empathise with him. And it's, again, not that I distrust what people say at any point, but assuming what he said is true um, about his life and... And then when you marry that up with how things have been portrayed um, and, and how, if the timelines are correct, he says like he's some sort of fucking Bond villain, um, about the way that the book has come around and his constant thinking about her and turning her into this literary figure yeah, um, to be compared amongst the greats, I says. But um, if all that is the case, then it would have taken something really... It would have been weird for him to leave. And it would have been unusual. And it would have been like, actually, I'm a monk and I can't practice such things. But if you treat yeah. yourself as a human, then you kind of think we all have, whether it's a weakness or just a kind of urge or whatever it is that you kind of think, fuck it, yeah, go on then. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's got, um, they've got all of this, I think when they're in the coffee shop, they're talking about how it's actually quite beautiful to have stuff in your life that you want and Mm -hmm. that you feel desire for. And she says, isn't not wanting something a sign of depression? And he says, it's okay to want something so long as you don't get pissed off if you don't get it. Mm. And at that point, Uh... I think that they're, they're being really kind of quite, you know that's very that's very mature and very level-headed and very insightful on on both their parts and i think at that moment when you're watching it for the first time you think oh okay i think these two people are going to maybe figure out a way to be friends here it's a little bit like the sort of second act of when harry met sally you know you think that's how they're going to they'll they'll resign themselves to the fact that they do fancy each other but actually it's kind of maybe lovely to have something that you know is kind of just out of reach and you can maybe think about it in that way but actually having it might ruin something so um i think at that point you think oh maybe that's how they'll they'll resolve it and then as you as you say there is that thing of um which is a bit like eternal sunshine isn't it where at the end where he says uh, she says you're gonna miss your plane and he says i know where it's that thing of yeah maybe getting what you desire will ruin everything but fuck it let's try it anyway mm. yeah yeah fuck it, it's why, really interesting yeah well it's a i mean that's the i suppose that's what makes both of those films essentially romantic isn't it because romance is sort of about that kind of fuck it moment isn't it and i mean that mm. in the in the best way, um, the, rec- the a, re- a certain recklessness that goes against logic is what I mean. Yeah, because yeah. uh, if we just took the sensible option all the time, yeah, how many of these great films, whether romantic or otherwise, would have been quite as memorable? So, I want to try something. I want to see if you stay together or if you dissolve into molecules. How am I doing? Still here. <laughs> Good, I like being here. Do you think our, our, I mean, that's the thing, it's interesting. Do you think our moral compass completely just alters depending on whether or not a narrative kind of makes? Because I, I suppose in this film, it feels maybe a little bit like. I think maybe we're seeing things mostly through Jesse's eyes, aren't we? I guess because um, it's it's on his terms in that yeah. he's in her part of the world, and he's the successful yes. one bringing her into the life with the story. Yes, exactly. And the final shot is our is um is Jesse is us seeing um Salim from Jesse's position on the couch, isn't it? And and it's kind of like there might as well be a. It's like a public information film at the end. It's like, would you? <laughs> Brackets, yes. 
so well that's that's the thing is that i was thinking it's so i think particularly in this day and age because we're so judgmental now i think all all of us in lots of different ways and social media has contributed to that we've talked about that before but i was thinking about how in in this in this movie yeah you just you realize actually that so much of your sympathy just lies with who uh yeah who you relate to the most but also if if a story is really well told and the characters are really well written and performed if you're if you're brought through it through one of their points of view you're you're incredibly because actually he's he's on much more morally ambiguous ground than she is in this movie by Mm. quite some way for all kinds of reasons but actually i think that she out of the two of them seems more of a difficult character in this one you know she's as you said earlier she's she comes across quite feisty she's quite tempestuous she's more she's more overtly sensitive than Jessie is to criticism I think even though at one point I think she says men are much more touchy than women are and even and while at the same time I think being more touchy than he is so you know at the end you think oh, that's that's kind of incredible really because it's his moral decision really rather than hers but um but because it's done so effectively through his point of view, she feels more like the the, the you know the the flame that you might burn yourself on than he does. Yeah, I guess he's got more to lose, perhaps. Yeah, sure. And I guess if there was a film, you know, like from a I'm trying to think of that film where they did it from sort of the same film, but from many different from the viewpoints of the different characters, and if did one did one from his wife's that'd be a different film yeah I'd quite like to see that film <laughs> yeah we're kind of led to believe that they maybe not belong together but at least should see where this goes and we're yeah. guided they're not pushed but gently our hands being held towards this final coming together although weirdly like um, first thing I thought when I when the film ended um, was when I saw Inception at the cinema and there was, again, an American man, a French woman, they're married, weird. Um, but they had um, a thing where the film ended was on a... You don't know whether he was in a dream or in reality. Um, and when I watched the film and, and it suddenly cut to black and I was watching this in like, the Cineworld in Wandsworth... And the whole cinema went, what, what? Like, they were outraged that the film ended at that point. Really? <laughs> I've never been in a cinema like it before, that film. But then when this finished, I just kind yeah. of went, oh, okay. Yeah, I remember I did that too. Yeah. And I was like, so what happened? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Mm. No, I, I can remember doing that too. Yeah. And, um mm. And it, it left me in the position where the way you've been describing your feelings about um, seeing the latest Bond film or the new Top Gun film, when I found out there was going to be a third before film, <laughs> I can remember kind of like sort of, you know, sort of like feeling a little bit just sort of unhealthily emotionally invested in what was going to happen next. I was so like, oh my God, I have to know what's going to happen. Yeah. Does the cab like, driver make an appearance in it? Is he like, <laughs> is he like the, the Val Kilmer of this film? It's so funny. At the end of this one, I feel a bit... I th- Well, I think that's what adds to that whole feeling of them being... Again, it's a little bit like that moment in West Side Story that we watched of the, the them at the dance when everyone else melts away around them because they have the thing of the driver waiting outside and the neighbours setting up a party outside in, um, you know, like the, the square outside her, her flat. And, you know, and you're kind of thinking, are they waiting to serve the food? Because, <laughs> <laughs> because I don't think she's going to be coming out and will anyone tell the driver is this going to be a really weird awkward social scenario where the driver starts sort of wandering into the premises where they're serving up food and he's like did you see where the girl went you know with the guy and them going no but do you want some potato salad (laughs) what's the next film called before before midnight before midnight obviously Mm. yeah well I can't wait to see what you think of it Rich yeah, I mean, you've compared it to Top Gun Maverick. 
<laughs> so, I mean, what a film that was, by the way. But, yeah. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, yeah, that's high praise indeed coming from you. So, I look forward okay. to watching it and I look forward to doing a podcast about it, a film I haven't seen. Well, um, I hope our listeners will join us for the third one. Yeah. Having stuck with us through this one. <laughs> Yeah, what's that silly man going to be saying next time about shenanigans and, and cats going to be sitting there going, yes, yes, this is all happening. Yes. <laughs> Not at all. Mm. I always say, I, well, I think I think quite a lot of people level the criticism at the before films that they're a bit pretentious. Right. And um, Which I think is really unfair. I think it's just two people having a conversation. But I think conversation these days is in itself regarded as a bit pretentious. They, they should have been texting each other. You could argue that Nina Simone represents Celine's uh, grandmother, I was thinking. What do you think of that? Wow. That's a good idea. Yeah. Celine's grandmother was responsible for them not seeing each other in Vienna, albeit by dying. But then Nina Simone was involved in them, probably, getting it on in Paris. Yes, and Nina Simone has died in the in the years between them having um, met for the first time and uh, meeting for the second time okay like the grandmother yeah so it's kind of like a, a yeah a guardian angel thing okay there's probably relationships now that have been based around like the death of David Bowie or something yeah I'm sure that's true oh. Prince mm, oh sorry yeah Prince that's what I'll do I'll, I'll lift up an acoustic guitar and do a delightful whimsical twee version of Darling Nikki oh yeah. Yes. Fantastic. <laughs> now you're talking. I, I am staying. Hooray! <laughs> Well, as we dig out that Nina Simone CD and embrace our cats, we leave you with the thought that when you're young, you just believe there'll be many people with whom you'll connect with. Later in life, you realise it only happens a few times. I've been Cat. I've been Rich. And this has been Don't You Want Me. <laughs> <laughs>